You know what this place is? Those engineers, this ain't their home. It's an installation, maybe even military. They put it out here in the middle of nowhere because they're not stupid enough to make weapons of mass destruction on their own doorstep. That's what all the shit is in those vases. They made it here. It got out, turned on them. The end. It's time for us to go home. And home is where many of us want to be after watching how some filmmakers have been inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide to the world of cinematic Lovecraft inspirations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be talking about 2012 Prometheus, written by John Spates and Damon Lindelof and directed by Sir Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. And uh, joining us to discuss is um, DJ Golden B, uh, Tim Buell. <laughs> Thank you, Tim Buell, for uh, joining us today on um, on Cassie Cthulhu to talk about Prometheus. How's it going, guys? Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've known Tim Buell a long, long time. Dude, uh, I know, right? It has been. Yeah. I, I was I was telling a friend I was going to do the show, and I was like, wow, I've known Jim now. And then I was like, wow, because Jim was a fan of my show, and then we became internet friends. And then, yeah, it's been a long... Do you know exactly how long? I. It's got to be... I'm going to... Because when I was listening to your first podcast, I was at that point still commuting from New Jersey to New York, and I wow. moved to Brooklyn in 2013. So it's been over 10 years. Wow. wow, wow. Um, and I remember <laughs> the reason that I got notice slash attention is I left an iTunes review. It was the only iTunes review I ever left, and I left it under the name of Jim Boner. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Tim, Tim was like, "We got a review from Jim Boner," and then you know, Jeremy made the joke of like, "This dude has one podcast review, and he <laughs> created an account just to name himself that and review our pod." I'm like, oh, "Yep, didn't see didn't think there, about that. kids." All you got to do have have a clever username, you'll stand <laughs> out, and especially, yeah, I think at the time, that's so funny. It's because you know, just because I was going to be on the show, I was reminiscing about this, and I was like. I was remembering that was back when we would be like, hey, uh, yeah, if you leave us a five star review, we will leave uh, read it live on the air and shit like that. So, yeah, right. that's that's like literally how it happened. But yeah. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, then Tim got married and he had a, a registry. So I bought him some Legos off his registry. You oh, did, nice. dude. Um, Only person to buy me Legos. And I appreciated it so much. Yeah. yeah. When I when I went out to L.A. for the first time, I I, I went out and met him and him and his lady and, and yes. cats. Good yes, time. yeah, cats now now have a dog. He's uh, oh, running yeah. around here too. Well, yeah, I got a one-eyed zombie yeah. pug. He's the man. I got a, I got a baby walking yeah. around. Dude, somewhere. I saw. Yeah, I mean, I have the folks at home. Did, yeah, I saw your your baby walk by, and I was like, oh, the, the growing family. <laughs> Dude, he's he's six months old. He is wow. twenty-seven and a half inches long and sixteen wow. pounds. Wow. He can't even walk yet, and yet when we're going through stroller, uh, you know, strolls through the park, we see these kids who are like three inches tall and they're walking around I'm like wow our kid is way bigger than them and he's not even crawling yet this is so weird it's all good but anyway uh, james is here too yeah you know hello james hell yeah i mean i have a cat you know he's he's probably in the closet <laughs> hiding so you know whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> um but anyway if if, if y'all are, are are just being introduced to tim buell for the first time obviously long personal history but um tim buell has had a long time connection to this show and yeah. this podcast because if you have enjoyed our intro outro music or the little icon on our uh, podcast page, those all came courtesy of Tim Buell, man. He created the music. He created our, our icon. So if you're fans of, of kind of the aesthetic, a lot of that has to do with Tim Buell. So Tim yeah. Buell, we, we give you a, a bow and a thanks. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. guys. Yeah, uh, I, I remember when you hit me up about doing the theme music um, and yeah, and then and the artwork. Uh, I love, I mean, I know we're going to get into this in a minute, but I do, I love the whole like Lovecraftian vibe. And like, I always like love to experiment with, um, especially something that is like mostly come from print, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, like Lovecraft's books and stuff. And then all the mythologies thereafter, uh, I always, I'm like, what does that audibly sound like? You know, like what is like, mm-hmm. what soundscapes vibes come with that? So thank you for the challenge. It was fun to uh, be able to yeah. try that out. Yeah. No, we, we got it. We got it going on. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's just a good segue into, so like, uh, you know, Tim, uh, familiarize yourself with the people, or ha- or have the people familiarize themselves with you. Like, what what uh what are you up to these days? What are you what are you doing? Uh, thanks for asking. Um, yeah. So a- as mentioned, Jim knows me and and James as well. Like originally from doing uh, an old podcast I-, I did called the Golden Briefcase. I was on for many years on uh, FirstShowing.net, and um, all that time though, I was still actually actively being a filmmaker, musician, as we mentioned, making podcast themes. I have multiple band projects. A lot of which have been on hiatus because of the pandemic and stuff. You know, just, <laughs> as we were saying off mic, that's how it goes uh, the last few years. But um, I am very much putting like my full strength into my filmmaking passions these last, you know, 
five, six years, really just trying to make it happen. And um, I made a feature uh, debut film, gosh, about huh, 2014. So we're getting close to 10 years on this one. And uh, that, yeah, and that was called In Residence. And and we kickstarted that, uh, me and a good friend of mine, Cody Reese, he's a uh, writer, producer, uh, director as well. But um, he wrote it with me and then I directed it. Um, didn't go exactly as we planned it, but it was an amazing filmmaking experience. And it was something that I took very deeply to heart. And actually, you know, when it, as a lot of artists do, when things don't go our ways, we go into a dark depression and then we come out the other side with, uh, you know, new lessons and, and opportunities in our heads. Um, so I very much have been the last, you know, years since then trying to rediscover myself as a filmmaker, really lean into my horror love that I have and um, doing uh, multiple horror projects right now that I can't talk about too much just because I, I'm going to pull a little JJ Abrams and go a little bit like mystery box on it and be like, Oh, you'll find out more soon. You know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm currently finishing a science fiction short film that I directed that was written by another good friend of mine, Derek Ocampo. And um, he's actually the star in it as well. So we're going to be hitting that to the festival circuit um, hopefully in the fall. Cause uh, the only, the only problem about being a, a one man army with filmmaking is um you're a one am one man army with filmmaking. You right. have to do everything yourself. Um, I'm not that I haven't had help. I've had a lot of friends and, and colleagues and my, my partner, Reina, she has been an incredible co-writer, co-producer. She's like, she's incredibly gifted in, in just narrative structure and understanding character motivation and stuff. So it's like something I'm really leaning in with her as I'm developing new film ideas and whatnot. But, um, the science fiction short uh, is coming out, you know, probably later later this year after the festival run. And then I'm diving right into a couple of hopefully um, longer form horror film projects. And so that's what I'm currently most excited about and really trying to get some speed. But in the interim, I've been making um, a lot of spooky uh, short form content over on TikTok, uh, having to shoot vertical video absolutely murders me because you know, <laughs> it's just not anti film. However, yeah. um, I've tried to take it in stride and really kind of make what I call found footage adjacent sort of uh, shorts mm. where it appears as found footage. Um, it's clearly a narrative sort of, you know, it's fake, it's fake found footage, but uh, as, as all tends to be, um, but I try to capture a scare, a, you know, spooky vibe in under two minutes. And TikTok is really a challenge for that because it is such short form content. Um, but I've amassed a decent following over there. The only downside is it's hard to move those folks over to your other social platforms. Sure, so yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's like, excuse me, I have like, I have like over 400,000 followers on TikTok. And then Hell you yeah. go over to my uh, Instagram and you're like, ah, 3,600. Cool. That sounds, that sounds more realistic. <laughs> Got it. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of spreading that influence elsewhere. But, um, you know, that's, that's basically what I've been up to is just trying to keep the filmmaking dream alive as best I can here. So in, in the biz, they say there, there's a, Tim needs some help with his conversion rate. Mm -hmm. um, his, his click yes, got to use the but, actual jargon. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who want to help out Tim, we're going to put his TikTok and his Instagram links in the show notes. Just click on there. Um, find out all the, the goodness that he's got going on there. I've seen some of the, those TikTok shorts, man. They're, it's, it's effective to think like sometimes the most like having those creative confines squeezes the most creativity out of you where yeah. it's like, listen, I've got two minutes. Yeah. What, what, it, what does the story need? Not what do I want to put in it, but what does it need to really pop? And that's great. I agree. No, yeah. I mean, not to, not to go on too long about it, but it's like, for me, it's, it's trying to come up with like found footage has two problems. Usually like, why is this person filming and why are they still filming? Right. And so I tend to, do, uh, you know, I, I tend to do, um, I send video messages to people frequently. Hey, I just want to send you a video real quick so you can see what this looks like. And I was like, there it is. That's your impetus. It's like, Hey, I'm going to show you this. Like one of my more viral ones. I was like, Hey, I'm going to show you where to park on my street. And then some crazy shit happens. And so, you know, for me, it's like, I personally, I would keep recording because I'd be like, Oh, what the fuck? I can't believe I got this on camera. I keep going. Right. And obviously it's a little dramatized and it's a little like drawn out. And, uh, you know, there's a score and stuff, which pisses people off sometimes, which I'm like, yeah, you're watching a movie. It's not, this is not, I'm not saying this is real. Like, come on, stop. Um, if you, if, if you're one of those people that's like, Oh, I hate music and found footage films. Look, I, I get you. It's a TikTok, though. Come on, let's 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 be cool and just have fun. Right. <laughs> I I find that more forgivable than those ones that are put out where it's, that there's an opening title where it's like the government doesn't want you to see it. it's like yeah sure buddy the this was discovered on the dark web and yeah. it's now on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Fuck off, come on. I, I understand <laughs> suspension of disbelief, but let's 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 go. This is a little bit yeah. of a stretch, but um, yeah, cool. So so check all that stuff out. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but Tim, you were here to talk about Prometheus, which is in a uh, podcast that has to do with Lovecraft inspiration. So you know you're not a you're not a cosmic horror podcaster or writer. You're not a you're not necessarily like a, a Lovecraftian guy that people know you first and foremost for. So you know I just always wanted to get a to get a read from guests like 
what was your first exposure to either this guy or just like an influence that you later on was like, oh, that's where that comes from? And just kind of the relationship for you and like what what Lovecraftian means to you. I'm always curious as a people who like if this isn't their their primary field of interest or enthusiasm, like kind of what that means, because even me as a guy like. I was I've always been aware of like Cthulhu as a creature. And then eventually I grew up like, oh, that's that's where that thing comes from. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be to be perfectly blunt with you guys, I didn't know about Lovecraft until I was like 14 to 16, maybe didn't mm-hmm. even know about him, didn't know who he was. And I remember I was on my old family iMac out in the living room and was doing Sadly, was probably reading Ain't It Cool News back when that was uh, the shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, <laughs> and I was probably reading it. And 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 I don't know if you guys remember, there was a film called Call of Cthulhu that came yeah. out in like the oh yeah, whenever that was, like mid two thousands or so, maybe. And it was like a little lower budget. And I, I to be blunt, I haven't seen it. Still, haven't, still haven't seen it. But I remember watching this trailer because it was probably posted on Ain't It Cool or Joe Blow or one of the original, you know, first film blogs. And um, the notion of cosmic horror was like very foreign to me. I like, I hadn't even thought about it. I hadn't even thought about the idea, especially of like these horrors from beyond, especially beyond our understanding, you know, uh, are the things that are far greater than our, our puny little human brains can, can comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, that notion was like really freaky to me. And at the time, you know, I still identified as like a Judeo Christian and stuff. So I had like a lot of that obviously sort of in my mind too, uh, satanic panic fear and stuff, but <laughs> mixed with this completely alien weird sort of notion of like, Oh no, it's not God or demons. It's this whole other thing entirely. Mm-hmm. It's like, it could be redefine what God even means to you. And that shook me a little bit. And I remember watching this trailer for this low budget movie and being kind of like eh, movie looks shit, but, um, yeah, these concepts are really creepy. And so I did a little digging and, you know, and at the time it was probably, uh, you know, early days of Wikipedia, but I would read and just be like, wow. And then I'd be like, wow, oh, this guy was kind of a racist. Oh, okay. <laughs> but also uh, some like big, big, cool ideas. Hmm. And the more and more I like would dig into occasionally brushing into cosmic horror, the more I would feel this really... <laughs> this longing for it, you know, I feel like this weird numb pull towards it. Um, because I think that it is such a cool, supernatural, weird, unexplainable sort of type of horror. Um, and I feel, you know, there are many other films that have exemplified that, uh, for me over the years, but, um, revisiting Prometheus, I actually just watched it again last night, just so it'd be fresh for the show. Um, uh, it's actually the, I know we'll get more into the thoughts of it, but I, I was really taken by a lot of the themes mm-hmm. of cosmic horror that are, that are kind of running through it. Yeah. Um, not, not that they were lost on me the first times. So it's probably like the sixth or seventh time I've watched that movie, to be honest. Uh, and, and it was like, it was very striking to, to see like, Oh, but you guys know this when you look through anything through a certain lens, everything just starts popping and you're like, <gasps> like, yeah, one of my classes that my wife and I got to actually take in college together, which was awesome. It was a hybrid Lord of the Rings. <laughs> English class and a, a human philosophy class nice. merged together. Yeah, nice. Awesome class. Yeah, so you're talking, you're looking through Tolkien, you're doing all this stuff, and you're talking about philosophy. And so, yeah, they were like, one of our assignments was like, hey, use blank theory, whatever you were given one to look and watch the films or read the books through, take away, you know, what do you think about that? And so I feel like with cosmic horror, especially once you kind of know the tenets of it and sort of the, uh, the, the things to look for. Um, a lot of works maybe that you didn't consider initially cosmic horror do start popping up and, and you're like, ah, it's technically kind of qualifies, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's sort of like how I got introduced to it and sort of like what it means to me. Yeah. Well, and it's great too. Cause once you familiarize yourself with a, a concept, a genre, a philosophy, whatever, you then eventually kind of see how it has rippled through time. I mean, sure. you know, James and I, yeah. we've, I think the, you know, we, 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 we did, um, uh, Benson and Moorhead films on this, uh, you know, on this before. And they're two guys that like in interviews is like, no, we never knew who Lovecraft was. And, but everyone keeps asking us about it just because it's like, yeah, his influence is just felt through things. Like it gets not diluted, but like it gets, you know, hot, like it becomes a hybrid, a chimera with something else until eventually it's like, yeah, this idea is really cool. Like, well, you know where that came from, right? It's like, totally. oh, no, I didn't. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Pr- Prometheus with the, the engineers and like the black goo. And it just kind of yeah. becomes something more. And, yep. you, and you don't realize it because, you know, even as a kid myself, I'll be like watching John Carpenter films and like, you know, Prince of Darkness. And I'm like, wow, this is so messed up. And we, when we covered it mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, the concept of Lovecraftian. And then you find out John Carpenter is a fan of Lovecraft stories and you're like, oh, it makes sense that the thing and, you know, like all the and, and the mouth yeah, of yeah. madness is he's actually using, oh, yeah. you know, stutter, you know, Sutter Kane as a. Uh, basically a Stephen King Lovecraft melding 
And you're like, yeah. oh, this all makes sense now. And like when you watch certain films, you know, and the joke on this on this podcast itself is, you know, when we're trying to find Lovecraftian stuff, people will tell us, oh, yeah, guys, you should check this out. This is Lovecraftian. And Jim and I are watching, like, at the end, we'll be like, it's a good film, but it's not Lovecraftian. And, like, you know, because <laughs> it, it has to have certain elements to it. You know, like we, sure. you know, like Jim jokes with me all the time about, you know, if a film has a dark, messed up, fucked up ending, I'm going to love it. I love it. I love it. Like, like the more depressing, the better, because to me, that's one of the things I take from like a Lovecraftian story is the sense of dread, the sense of like hopelessness. And then just, you, you just go like, wow, like there is no God there that, you know, like, and that's kind of the, the whole thing is these, these out, you know, these elder gods, these, they don't care about us. And kind of, you know, when we get into Prometheus, we kind of find out these engineers don't give a shit. Yeah. And I and, and 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 watching it again, it's like you go, okay, I see why we're covering this. And like you know, it, it already has that little element of like, could this be a Lovecraftian film? Because then you look back at Alien and the other films, and H.R. Giger's artwork, and like all these different things, and like you know the elements of it, and. Yeah, and you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll get, you know, I'm getting too far ahead, but you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I and so you know, Prometheus is obviously the 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 film that we are talking about, as I say now for the sixth or seventh time. <laughs> um, <laughs> been doing this for years, know exactly what I'm doing, guys. Um, yeah, came out in 2012, yep. um, and so all of us, all of us, you know, for once, we've all seen this movie before. So before we even get into a, a deep discussion on it, I want to step back to the beginning. And just get like when we first saw it, what were our initial thoughts, initial reactions? Because then when we talk about the film itself in depth, we can kind of talk about how that may have changed or in certain circumstances may not. So, Tim, we'll start with you. When you first saw it, what were, you know, what were your thoughts? So quick disclaimer for anyone who's not familiar with me. My favorite film of all time and favorite horror film of all time is Alien. I, I, it, it, it means so much to me. Um, I've probably seen it. Like, you know, when people are like, I've seen it a thousand times. I, I may have seen it. A thousand, <laughs> no, not that many. But you know what I mean? I've seen it so many times because it is, for me, um, a film that I learn every single time. Something new about filmmaking, something mm-hmm. new about storytelling. Because I think it is literally lightning in a bottle. Because Ridley Scott, in my opinion, never struck that hard ever again. And that's that's a bold statement. And a lot of people will be like, but bro, what about Gladiator? Bro? And it's, it's great films. Oh, love other Ridley Scott films. This one is his best, in my opinion. And I don't think he'll ever top it. And that the reason I bring that up is... Um, Prometheus, of course, should have been uh, something that I was like so ready for. And I was, I was so hyped for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first, just to be perfectly clear, the first time I saw Prometheus, I was way too high on, on marijuana, um, <laughs> legal out here in California, in case anyone's worried. Uh, and, and in 2012, um, I was, I was a little baby stoner. And so I probably should, should have just not bit off more than I could chew. Right. Uh, my wife was supposed to go to the theater with me to me uh, to see it with some friends and, she, I think she fell ill or something. She just like was like, I'm so sorry, I can't go. Can can you give my ticket to one of your other friends? And I was like, Yes, okay. So I ended up going and smoking this ginormous joint, which is clearly designed for a group of people. Um, and then and then fortunately didn't have to drive to the theater. I was I was getting a ride. Um, and and proceeded to watch you know the all two hours of Prometheus, be, being like, What the fuck is going on? And like, this is an alien, but also oh, I like it. Oh, but I hate it. I hate it too. I don't. And it was it was a bad state of mind. And again, I've watched it probably six or seven times since then over the years but my first impressions were not great um i think it was literally a situation of expectation versus reality though because again yeah. alien means so much to me and I, th- I find it to be such a perfect exploration of a lot of these ideas as well as just the haunted house and space vibe um yeah. and in prometheus fell short for me uh at the time of viewing it now um if you if anyone listened to my old podcast, I was pretty notorious for talking about how much I adore about 60% of Prometheus, and then I really dislike about 40% of it. Um, that's not true anymore. I, I really need to like n- not recant that because I want to stand by what I said at the time. And then obviously people change and grow. Um, last night when watching Prometheus, and it was my wife's like quote first time seeing it because she had watched it, but she just wasn't really recalling it. And she had a complete fucking blast with it and she thought it was great. And I did too. I literally really had to ask myself, why did you not like this? What, what was going on? What, like what? And some of my thoughts, I just don't think were valid. Um, a lot of it had nothing to do with the, uh, with the narrative. Even it was like dumb. Like I, I remember at the time thinking like, uh, oh, the, 
prosthetic makeup on Guy Pierce is terrible. And like that really annoyed me. And I was like, why not just cast an older actor? Yeah. Because we don't see young Guy Pierce ever in the fucking film. Like, what is, <laughs> like th things like that took me out of it, I think, as a filmmaker. And I was like, don't like that decision. And I let it solely the whole movie for me. And that's not fair. And like last night when rewatching it, um, I was really just aware of the beats of, of the story. And I found myself very much enjoying it and very much like, I think because of that expectation now being not dashed, but just tempered, you know, like I know what I'm in for. Let's try to really see what this film does. And you know what? I think Prometheus is a pretty, pretty damn good movie. And, and uh, especially as an origin story, um, it's got some very cool ideas and some like really big ideas too. And a lot of which, you know, we're going to cover here in a minute, but um, things that I think now as a 34 year old man, uh, I, have thought about a lot of these concepts more than I did in 2012. I've really had brushes with a lot of things that make you think about those bigger ideas and stuff like mm -hmm. that in your life. And um, that's, you know, that's why it's great to revisit films, I think. And I have a lot of friends and colleagues that don't rewatch films. They claim like, eh, I already saw it. And I'm like, fuck is wrong with right. you? Like, dude, do you know how many times I've seen so many movies? Like just, just to, just to re-soak it up. And maybe it's a craft thing. Like I, I think like, um, as a filmmaker, that's I, I didn't go to film school. I decided not to do that because I didn't have the money for it and still don't have the money for it. But I my film school was that of a lot of our, you know, uh, amazing people that have come before us, you know, like right. Tarantino's way of learning how to do film. It's watch like a lot of films. Watch, go to your video store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I 100 percent back that up and especially behind the scenes stuff. And uh, I think Prometheus really is a, a beautiful example of um kind of the way Ridley Scott has grown as a filmmaker since alien and uh, things that he kind of wanted to revisit and, and approach again. Um, and, and all in all, I stepped away from the re the revisit last night, very much enjoying it. And I'm going to, going to change my internal rating so that I'm, I'm not, I'm not a notorious, mostly hater of Prometheus, <laughs> but no, I, I liked it a lot again, man. I thought, thought it was a good time. You know, I, I love rewatching stuff just cause like, not that the art changes, but how you change and how you right. respond to art. Yeah. I think it's, hundred percent. A fascinating and, and valid experience but james um how about how about yourself uh first time you saw prometheus what were your yeah, takeaways? so first time like and it's funny enough it was, it was probably around the time i was doing criterion cast and oh, and you know i remember ryan gallagher loving it and you know <laughs> and like i remember like going to it be like kind of like how tim was where it was all this expectation of like Oh my God, we're going to see like all this explanation, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like the concept of like, Oh my God, I'm going to see how they, the xenomorphs were that came about. And then like, yeah. you know, and then after watching it, I was very disappointed and, but I couldn't, I couldn't explain why. Like I was just like, cause <laughs> the film looked beautiful. Like, and, and, and watching it again, gorgeous, gorgeous film. Like, it's like, Oh my God, this <laughs> is beautiful. Like, especially when it's really creepy, it's even like more beautiful to me. But um, I just remember being disappointed and like kind of like, you know, going like, okay, you know, that's kind of sucks. You know, I, I wish it was better. You know, and, and you kind of, and I would say I would, I probably would give, would have given, you know, out of five stars, it would have been like a two star film at that time. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was cool to watch, but that's it. And then, I might have watched it one more time when the uh, the four disc you know 3D Blu-ray came out, and then it sat on you know sat on many shelves through the years of moving and moving <laughs> and get you know putting it back, and I would always put it back on the shelf you know and like and I had not watched it in probably close to a decade, and watching it the other day, I was like going in blind. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna yes. read anything about it. I'm not gonna watch any weird, you know commentary videos i'm just gonna watch it and i and it's kind of a kind of a weird thing that i did with the evil dead remake or retelling you know like the from 2013 where i hate i hated that film when it came out i hated it and when the pandemic hit for that i ended up going i watched evil dead and like i'm like this is really good why did i hate this film at the yeah. time you know what i mean why did i Hell why did yeah. i hate this it's a different <laughs> film if you watch it oh where's ash Shut the fuck up. Like, okay. not, yeah, not, not here. here. Yeah. You know, we got Ash versus Evil Dead, and I love that too. But, and we have comic books. You don't need the same story over and over again. Sometimes, it, yep. you know, nostalgia is a, is a bitch. So, watching Prometheus again, you know, I'd gotten home from work the, the previous day. I put it on on Blu ray, and I'm like, just mesmerized. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. I'm watching it the two hours, and I'm just, you know, 
I know a film is working for me when I don't watch. I don't look at my phone one time. Like my phone is right next to me. I'm not watch. I'm not looking at my phone, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, and the, the questions they're asking. I'm like, this is great. I, I love philosophical. You know, religious. You know, is there a god? Is there this and that? And then by the end, you know, and I'm not going to say this is a perfect film. There's there's problems. There are, but. I probably came away really enjoying this film more. And I would say it's probably close to a four star rating now. It's like, but what changed in me? You know, like I'm 42 now. Mm. At that time, I was probably about 31, 32. And I've realized at that time period in my life, I was a cynical asshole. Even though I like <laughs> trash always. And, I, and, and like, I'll give like something like Samurai Cop five stars because I love that film. <laughs> Miami Connection, you sure. know, film, I mean, hell, Troll 2. One of my, yeah, one of my too, favorite I was films. like, I see it over your shoulder. One of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> but then again, across the way, and you know, if you even don't look, I have an alien poster and I have an attack the block poster. Yeah. So like there's there's elements to like, you know, alien is probably like it probably goes neck and neck with the thing as my favorite sci fi horror film of all time. Same you know what I mean? Man. So mm-hmm. so like you know, I look at it and I go, that you know, maybe it was just my fault of these expectations of what I thought I wanted at that time and going back and growing and like, you know, growing as at the time I was, when I think about it, I was at that time, I was probably an atheist. Now I'm more agnostic. I'm more, I want to believe in something bigger, you know, and Jim and I have Mm -hmm. talked about this. Like, like I want to believe in something bigger. Do I always believe in some? No, but at the same time, something something you know should have done this and like and that's kind of like what i really like about this film in the sense that you have you know um shaw numi rapachi's character is the believer she's all about faith and then you have charlie uh logan marshall green um you know as i call tom hardy jr he he's he's the atheist he's the science guy he's like no like there's no god there's come on why are you almost like looking at her like why are you so stupid for believing in something bigger? Yeah, like it's childish right. and a little bit. And, and ultimately idea. he's like a yeah. dick in it because then he's even like kind of put you know, poking fun at David for being created. And like one of my favorite yeah. scenes in this film is when he's just like trashing him and like, oh, you know, th- we made you because we could. And then, you know, David just looks at him, and this is when David's already doing the little the little creepiness of like putting the black goo in his drink, but he's also like, Well, how do you think I feel? Like, you know, what if how do you feel if you had that same thought? Yeah, if you were told yeah, that. And yeah, and it just like, kinda of looks at him and it's like the one moment that he's like, Huh. Well, it's a good thing that you can't be disappointed then, right? And he and like and David just <laughs> gives him that little smug smile. And it's like it's like again, when we watched Alien and all the Alien films, you've always had these, you know, cybernetic, cre- you know, creatures that have always been a tentpole of these films from Alien, Aliens and beyond. And then you have like, I guess you could say the first of these, you know, in this lore. And they're, all, they're always like one step ahead of humankind. So even though we look down upon them as humans, like that, oh, because they're perfect. But the joke is, if I didn't put, you know, if I didn't look normal to you, I would creep you out more. If I look like a robot, yeah. then you'd be free, more mm-hmm. freaked out. Because I look like you, you almost forget sometimes that, oh, right, you're, you're not human. You're actually kind of better than us in a way. And, you know, again, but so, yeah, so I would say big fan of the film. And like now, like that, that Blu-ray is going to be played probably a little more often now. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. So I, and actually stepping back, if I recall correctly, I think the first time I met you and Rudy was at a bar to talk about this movie because mm-hmm. I had heard, I had listened to the Criterion yes. Guys episode. And I think if I recall, Rudy was a big fan. Rudy, I think because Ryan was a big fan. Rudy liked it a lot. I was not a fan. Yeah. So, and, and that was the first, I'm like, guys, can I, can we just chat yes. about this movie? And mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, James, you just kind of sat for the most part, like nodding your head, like, yeah, that makes sense. And Rudy was doing, 
yeah, most of the talking. But, uh, but that was that was the first time James and I met was to, to talk about Prometheus, which wow, wow. full circle. I think we have to re- we have to retire the podcast after this now because it's come full circle. That's it. Um, the loop is closed. It's but uh, I so when I first saw this movie, hated it. I hated it. And now 2012, I was not as well rounded uh, or fully grown as like a human. So my reaction was a lot more like kind of contrary as as things tend to be on the internet, especially film internet and that right. kind of stuff. Um, saw it in 3D because at that point we were still pushing the whole 3D thing. Totally. Um, as James said, gorgeous movie that that scene when uh, David discovers like the the basically the oh. map sequence in 3D. It's a beautiful yeah. sequence. Um, and I mean, Darius Volsky shot this, who regularly works with Ridley Scott, also yeah. shot one of our favorite movies on this, yes. uh, Dark City. Um, so like yeah. a, yep. a talented, wonderful filmmaker, visually, uh, visually beautiful. But I hated it. And like, I think it was it was partly reactionary because people were like talking about how great it was. And so I didn't mm. see it opening weekend. I saw it a few weeks afterwards. And my my friend and I kind of walked out and like, that's the movie everyone's talking about. Like, are, are we serious? Um and, you know, and, and just kind of like and then wrote it off after that, like, fuck this movie. And so when people in like in, you know, recent times, especially then when Alien Covenant came out and one, once a new installment comes out, everyone does the ranking of franchise yep. things. Um, brief side note, uh, Evil Dead Rise fucking slaps. Great movie. But um, yeah. and, and so they're revisiting it. And it seemed like the consensus at the time was sort of like what what Tim and, and James felt like people were disappointed. But in, in recent years, people have like, actually, you know what? This movie's this movie's great, and I think a uh, friend of the show, Jerry Smith, is also a huge fan mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, I, I'm a different person now. I haven't seen it in like 11 years. Let me go rewatch it. Uh, and so I, I gotta say, um, hung uh, hung jury here. Still don't care for this movie at all. <laughs> like uh, I, I mean, it, now I don't hate it at all. Hate is such a it's such a strong reaction. You got to save that for the stuff that right. deserves it. Like yep, you know nazis that kind of stuff yes yes um but i i I, this is this is a it it reeks to me as a uh, too many cooks kind of movie sure and i remember when it came out people were kind of like thinking like starting to turn on damon lindelof because like hey he was part of lost it was great and then cowboys and aliens came out people were like "Eh." and then this movie came out that was a little weird yeah And, then, and so it seemed like he he's, he developed this reputation where like, dude, if you wrote a movie, don't watch it. But his TV work is phenomenal. Because like, yeah, The Leftovers and Watchmen are yeah. great, man. Like, right. they're great yeah. shows. But when it comes to movies, it's like, eh, what's kind of He's got on? Act 3 problems, yeah. man. He doesn't know how to r- wrap it up in a... I, I find when Lindelof... Uh, can't talk. I find when Lindelof works with one to two other writers, he's stronger than what he's by himself. But... Uh, I, yeah, one thing I was going to say, though, is I, I definitely still like I'm a letterbox boy. I know most people are. Um, I, I did. I did rank it four stars on my rewatch. Uh, when I first saw it, it would probably would have been about two and a half. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. just because of that expectation. Um, but yeah, uh, James, I think you said something a minute ago that um, I wanted mm-hmm. to circle back to. Uh, it was. And now it escapes me. So Jim, carry on. I'll, I'll vote. <laughs> if I, if I I mean, it I, so I think because I, I don't, I don't want this to, to just me, but kind of being like listing my grievances with oh. this movie. So I'm even like internalized, like how how do I how do I go about this? And, and I think I think my biggest problem with this movie, or what I think this the movie's biggest problem is, is trying to do too many things and not doing any of them to a satisfying degree. Yeah, I can agree on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, actually, because um, I'll. I'll, I'll the, the quibbles aside, actually, this is one thing I want to mention because my my wife mentioned this and I thought it was funny to revisit it in light of recent events. I remember a big criticism that everybody had, including myself, was like, how dumb are these guys that they're oh. trying to play with a stupid alien snake yeah. or whatever? And yet, and yet, my wife made the great point. She's like, you know, I remember watching this movie and just thinking nobody can be that dumb. And then the yes. pandemic hit and we realized, yeah. yes, people yeah. are that dumb where they're just like, nope, I'm not going to wear masks. I'm not going to do it. And so it's like, you know what? You get a pass. Yeah, you, yes, even even intelligent people, people are, are fucking dumb. Yeah, you know, are yes. that dumb when it comes yeah. to their own well-being and the well-being of others. So that gets a pass. <laughs> um, I'm even gonna I'm even gonna try and overlook the fact of like, um, Numi Rapace basically gets a C-section. She's up and running seconds yeah. later. Uh, my wife had a planned C-section. She Smart was girl, up and right, yeah. barely walking hours <laughs> yeah, totally. later. But let's you know, let's get <laughs> suspension of disbelief. But I think. Once again, trying to do too many things, not doing any of them satisfying enough. The Charlie character at the heart 
as a character and as a, uh, a an espousement of the film's philosophies really weak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything that should be subtext is text with him. Sure. I really wanted to meet our makers. I'm so upset. Cool. I don't feel that way at all because I don't know anything right. about right. You no, we don't. And that's the thing. We don't see anything about him. It's all about Shaw. We see her. We see her yeah. dreams through David's eyes. We don't see, you know, like Charlie's because he's just there to be the, you know, the contrarian, the one that's like, come on, come on, why yes. are you all dumb? Like, be amazed by what we found, but also, I don't believe in any of this shit. Yeah, because his disappointment comes off, um, and 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 his, his fucking attitude is yeah. so juvenile after. Mm-hmm. Like, cause my wife, again, she like, couldn't remember seeing the film. So she's like fresh eyes. She's like, man, he's yeah. such a prick. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he, he's really not handling his disappointment. Well, and it, and it reminded me a little bit of, uh, uh, Tim after he first watched Prometheus. So, you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cause like, he's so, he's so hurt Yeah, that his like personally that hurt his, by it. his dreams are not coming to fruition. It's like, I, I didn't know anything about this dream until now you're here telling me that you had this right. dream. And then when he ultimately dies, that's supposed to be a very emotional scene. No. I didn't give a shit, man. Like, I didn't care. Um, and I think that's a real weakness because that's an emotional anchor, or it's supposed to be an emotional anchor for the Shaw character, for Numi Rapace, who was our primary protagonist. I don't think that works out at all. And once again, this overarching philosophy of like, hey, we, our existence did not come from what we think it came from. And I mean, it's also then typified to a certain extent when when Waylon shows up in which, yeah, the old age makeup, yeah, I can forgive. Yeah. I think his inclusion as a character entirely unnecessary. Yeah. But like we like everything, everything becomes subtext. And that is one of the great things about Lovecraftian works is this idea of like it, it exists kind of in the back of your mind that like, oh, shit, we don't yeah. mean anything. And yet mm-hmm. now we have people talking about like, wow we don't mean anything like, yeah, I, I get it guys. Like you're, you're putting it in my face here. Um, and so that is my, my biggest complaint. My second one is just an inconsistency in the rules of the universe. Whereas, and I know this was not an original or, or this complaint was existed from the very beginning too, of like, so numeri Apache or, 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 um, Charlie ingests yeah. some of this black stuff. His, you know, he becomes one thing. Sean Harris's character ingests some of the black stuff. He becomes something else, like this kind of super zombie guy. And yet then also, but then there's an alien kind of growing inside. Like there, there's no I, consistency but, to what this mass, this weapon of mass I know, destruction but I, is. But see, I, I was thinking about that, but each one is a different version of the black goo. Like, you know, whatever, you know, um, uh, Sean Harris's character, he's go, he goes face first into a ton of it. So he's ingesting... Yeah, he's, he's like soaking in it. In he's it, also yeah. burning with the acid from the other thing, the vagina snake, and and um, yeah. <laughs> which I think you know one of the things about the about the vagina the snake. Name. Do, do you believe? Do you think it's those little worms that actually are being mutated by the black goo? Because we keep seeing the little worms drinking up the black hmm. goo. I was wondering that myself. Yeah, I was like, or is that just showing like nature's response to it? Because because in the opening of the film, when we see the whole birth of you know the DNA strands and all that shit, it's like kind of similar, you know. But like you know, so so then you have that. So like to me, that's like okay, that's the explanation of like why he's almost like animalistic, just like monstrous, you know, brute brute strength like caveman. Like you you have um you know Charlie, it's just a drop in a drink, and like okay. He starts to slowly kind of like mutate in a different way. Like he's getting sick from it to the point where he 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 still has his mind. And that's why he's just like, burn me. Just kill me. Like I'm not going to survive this. Mm-hmm. And then you have Numi Rapachi who it's, 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 it's through, you know, um, you know, semen. Like, you know, like, let's put it like that. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. she can't get pregnant. That's the whole thing, too. She's like, like, even though she believes in God, she's like also has that that sadness of like, well, I can't ever get pregnant. And then they have sex. And then she finds out from David, Oh, you're three months pregnant. It's like, that's impossible. Like, and, and, and of course, you know, like, is it a miracle baby? It's like, no, it's not, it's not a typical, uh, you know, fetus, by the way. Yeah. What he's, his oh, little he's snarky, like, it's but, but I, but, it and it's, it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's like an assholeness, like that you kind of like, like you like enjoy because he's like, cause he's yeah, like totally. not supposed to have any joy, but he is, he's having this joy of like, playing god himself he's he's yep like Wa- Waylon plays yeah. god and that's why i think like even though like at, and at the time i was like oh the whole you know guy pierce as 
because they originally wanted Max von Sydow as the old Whalen, and that would have yes. been great. But I yeah. guess when Guy Pierce came in, the, you know, because there are, you know, remember there are videos of the young version, like it's yes. kind of like the yes. Steve Jobs, you know, like or TED Talk and stuff like that. Yeah, man. And I think that's, that's the only right. reason I understand why they did it. And you know, and again, at that time, you know, in 2012, I thought, oh, he looks terrible. Watching again, I'm like, it doesn't look as bad as I remembered. I mean, it, it, it looks better 100%. than it was like yep. like when uh, we had young versions of people like when that was the big craze for a while and like you know oh god yeah, x-men oh 3, god Stewart, wax yeah. boy yeah. and like yeah i was like oh <laughs> oh tron oh he looks like a video yeah. game yep. that, and i think that's the point of it he looks yeah, like yeah. a video game oh it's okay then yeah. so i think that's why the, like the whole but i understand what you mean like this film is all about like really this film is like it asks more questions it doesn't really give you the answer and again does it have to give us all the answers? Of course not. I mean, because this was supposed to become its own series, yeah. and then Alien Covenant mm-hmm. became something else. Like, I'm, I'll always regret mm-hmm. like right. we didn't get this the sequel to find out more about the engineers. Like that kind of like, eh, that didn't work. I'm like, I, I don't know. I and again, I have to give credit to, I don't know if it's Ridley Scott or the editors, the deleted scenes and stuff. They cut back a lot of the stuff with the engineers of actually speaking. You know what I mean? You know, That's right. Yeah. I forgot and like about what that. David yeah. was understanding of what he was saying, and basically like, why did you, why did you come here? Like you know, like and basically almost saying like you're you're nothing to me. And it's like I'm kind of glad they took that away because that's also like you said, Jeff, sure. nail in the head. Like we don't need more of that. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I, I think I kind of would have preferred that because <laughs> especially when it comes to like this the later half or, or the latter half of this film the the threat starts like it, it flips flop back and yeah. forth because mm-hmm. w- w- when we get there when we discover the the hologram yeah, of like yo what was killing these things what are they running from and so there's going to be this larger threat to like oof we're going to discover something we eventually kind of discover what that is with this black goop whatever that entails but then Waylon shows up and is like, no, he's actually the villain here because of what he wants. But then the engineer wakes up and they're like, no, the engineers are actually the villains. And well, it's like, me, let me, okay, let me ask dude, you guys like, the question. What are the engineers running away from in the past? Like, what do you think they're running away from? The, no, seriously, because you hear a scream and it's the same scream as the Deacon Xenomorph at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually don't know if it's like supposed to be explicit, right. like because... Yeah, it does make me believe that what we see happened happened before or something like that. And, you know, uh, like the the fucking of the engineer and the, the creating <laughs> yeah. of the Xenomorph Alpha, you know, first mm-hmm. first gen. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, though, that part of that mystery is is what drives them. Something I was going to say, though, that I think is really interesting is we keep touching on this apathy of the creator. And um, I, I find it very fascinating that uh, especially James and I had such expectations for this film, whereas the characters kind of have the expectation of right. their film that they're going to be in. And, and that changes as the film goes on. And uh, as we mentioned, you know, uh, Holloway or uh, Logan Marshall green is just very juvenile and like kicking <laughs> the dirt. Um, and, and Shaw is uh, her faith is unwavered, even though it's different than what right. she anticipated. Whereas I think David represents this lack yeah. of that. He no. doesn't have expectation. He's here for science. He's here for the data. And that's why I, I just, I was, it was really striking to me last night how unabashedly, like, what's the word? Uh, I guess just like, he's just doing it. The way he just walks up to the door yeah. panels and just starts opening them. He's, and he's and like, chaos, without even asking, yeah. hey, I actually know how to do that. Like, he just goes up. He's like, science, <laughs> science, gonna mm-hmm. check out, find more science. And it's like, and, and and we mentioned his little smug smirk. I think that is literally him as a robot, as a AI, finding what could maybe be the closest word to human joy at this yeah. just uh, exuberance of, of discovery. And he, because he has no personal stakes in it, it's not religious. It's not spiritual. These things right. didn't create him. They maybe created the things that created him. But at this point, he's now... <laughs> oh, my cat is invading our podcast. Um, he is uh, he is now past that point where he's like, um, and obviously we know he has slightly more insidious agenda because of his boss. But but I do find it fascinating how much of his childlike wonder combats their 
dashed expectations about like what their preconceived notions were going to be about this whole situation. And he's very open, almost too much to a degree where he's yeah. like, no, we're going to go in and we're going to play this and we're going to open these doors. And oh, oh mm-hmm. I'm stealing this black goo container. Oh, yeah. It's like he is he's pure science, no human um I want to say human arrogance, yeah. really, because he's he's open. He's been given a mission by Wayland. He knows why he's there. And that's all. That's the only expectation he's bringing into the situation. And therefore, I think that's why he has such a confidence over the situation, even when shit's getting topsy-turvy, you know? And, <clears throat> so once again, things I like, things I don't like. Yeah, Not yeah. the David character. Um, David is kind of chaos and i think yeah. even there is that 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 parallel and that kind of allusion to like the engineers created us we created david yeah. and i mean this i you know the the word prometheus yeah. which comes from the greek myth of like the guy who delved into too much knowledge brought punished. fire and was punished for it and that thing of like you know um how the humans can then get punished because of what they unleash with David, who has his own motivations, who is not just being controlled by this is what our, my humans want, but like, this is what I want. I like that idea. I think by including the Wayland character and having him as the one who is initially driving David really cheapens it, cheapens Mm, what the David character could be because it's, it's, it strikes me as a blatant kind of like, well, we got a call back to the initial alien to say that the company always wanted this thing from the very beginning. So that's why the Nostromo is in the planet because the, the Wayland Yutani was like, hey, this thing, like we we want that thing. But I think if you remove that and just make the David character kind of like, I I am my own creation, it doesn't matter what you have done, makes it a nice like even parallel or reverse of like the engineers created us, we mean nothing. We created David, he is overcoming or like he's he's, you know, subverting our expectations or our wants. And and I think to include Wayland cheapens him as a character and just makes the movie feel more like we got a call back to this other thing from Alien that you remember from before. Um, so, like, good and bad. Like, Michael Fassbender is doing very good work. Yeah, Amazing he's great. Work. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, eh, but, get Guy Pierce out there. I think if you remove Guy Pierce yeah, from yes. the story. No, I, yes. I, I agree with that. Like, I think he's just there to, like, okay, villain. Ooh, no. I, I mean, the, the, the comeuppance is bad. Yeah, the comeuppance is great when the engineer just looks at David and gives him a little pat, like, like oh, you're like, because the engineer is even kind of like, for a moment amazed that this this being is actually speaking his language yeah, yeah and totally. they just they just rips his head up and beats wayland to death with his own head so like <laughs> i laughed out loud this time oh, when that me happened. too yeah. i was like yeah, oh my was god like... i forgot that but so here's 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 another question I, I i give um so originally you know so we have this idea of the engineers that they 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 we were an experiment and they actually I guess you could say, quote unquote, liked us at one point because they went to all these different ancient civilizations to show themselves and show who they were to an extent. And like you, that's why they all match up. Some, and, they, and they mentioned 2000 years ago, 2000 years ago, something changed and they were going to come to us and destroy us all with this black goo to kind of basically to create. You have to destroy first. Yeah. So. Then, you know, me doing research again and kind of going, I'm like, finding out the original script, one of the engineers that was sent to Earth was supposed to be Jesus. Uh, and I think it's a little too on the nose, but at the same time, sure. it kind of makes sense that something happened when, you know, again, it's kind of like the whole, the day the Earth stood still. Someone yep. coming with yep. peace and love and let me show you why you were, you know, why how you could be better. Like, don't be so destructive. And then we kill him. And of course, yep. that, and so and to me, in my head, I go, okay, well, that makes sense why the engineers be like, well, we got to get rid of these fucking beings. Yeah, <laughs> like, these guys, they're, yeah. they're, they're terrible. Like, they, we actually were trying to give them an olive branch and they, they, they killed them. Let's go, yeah. let's go destroy them. But let's just say, you know, you scratch that away. I kind of like the concept of, they just got tired of their ant farm and they just wanted to throw it out. You know, and and to me, that's that's like and to me, that's the line where I go, okay, that's the despair of like people believing in something more and then finding out there's nothing more like we were just a joke. We were just like, a yeah, you're expendable. Yeah, yeah we're a flash in the <laughs> yeah. pan. You know, we were like, yeah. you know what? Sea monkeys. Yeah, we had nothing. a good run with these yeah, sea monkeys. Good, yeah. yeah, bye. <laughs> like throw them out. And, you know, I, I do. And I do really I do really like that concept. I just think it it the film 
is a bit muddled in the sense of like, is it this black goo and the thing they created, which is the ultimate threat, or are the engineers who apparently want to kill us for reasons we're not sure, are they the ultimate threat? I, and I, I also wonder too, yeah. a, a, a question for you guys, if you remove that opening scene with the engineer, does the movie lose anything? No, I, I personally don't think so. Actually, no. it's funny you bring that up. I was thinking that last night. Yeah. I was like, you know what? This feels a little spoon feedy for the people that may not piece it together. I would have preferred yeah. a little bit more of a mystery. Don't right. need that opening scene. All I feel like that's really doing is like, hey, something uh, is going to happen to some of our characters later on. In case you're curious where that came from, this is this is what it, this is what it does. <laughs> yeah. And and, I, and again, I, I I've been singing the praise of Prometheus, but it just please know it's to contrast how much I disliked it when I first saw it. Sure. The movie still has major flaws in yeah. a few spots that I would, as a director, I would have changed in a heartbeat. Um, mm. The one thing, uh, the one thing is the engineers being the. Uh, yeah, who's the real villain, right? Uh, and uh, Jim, I think you'll agree with this. There, there are a little bit of analogs to the biblical story of the flood. I think of um, everything that's on Earth now has become evil, not mm. worth saving. Let's yeah, we got to get you rid know? of it. Yeah, that's yeah. like what my wife and I were, were both referencing last night. We're like, this is literally kind of a flood an- analogy of like, you know what? Like I said, we had we had a good run with these guys. They're turning <laughs> evil. They're getting a little cruel. And at this point, this experiment's gotten out of control. And I, I I really like that notion. I do think it is a little on the nose. And I think like um, the the notion of uh, to bring it back to like cosmic horror a little bit. I think the notion of the yeah this this creator who is absent. A lot of people on earth here in 2023, you know, that's, that's something that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to their own spirituality and their beliefs. And, sure. you know, uh, if there is a God, is he here? Does he care? Do they care? You know, like not to pronoun them, but it's like, what, what, what's the purpose of a God or creator? What is this? Right. If, if, if that is still able to happen, if, you know, there's all these huge notions that, that people really have to dig into when you confront those notions of what is spirituality, what is morality? What is, what am I as a creation? Am I a creation? Am I just a product of science that is like, you know, because of the weird course of evolution and the chaos thereof within, it's like, is that why I'm here? And the film, I think scratches the surface of those ideas and then sort of devolves slightly into a monster movie by the end of the film, yeah, which yeah. Mm-hmm. let's be honest, you could say like, Oh, alien does that too. Yeah. But I don't think alien was trying um, from the get go to set out with these giant questions that Prometheus is leaping no, into because no, no, it yeah. gave us just enough. It gave us just enough of a tease to know, Oh, there is a bigger thing going on here. Where right. do these creatures come from? And sometimes I do wonder if, uh, you know, and I felt this way about the star Wars prequels. It's like, do we need to, do we need to see this? Like, yeah. is, well, is the mystery maybe a little bit more beneficial to the overall story to not have to actually see how this all played out according to you? You know it, what I mean? Like, yeah, you know. no, it's it's like my whole complaint about Rob Zombie's Halloween. Do we need to know sure, how the yeah. killer was made? No, I don't need no, to know. You know what? The, so. the yeah. kid was just dark and, and horrible. That's it. Yeah. That movie. No, 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 exactly. And then, but you know what I mean? So, yeah, Less is more. No, you make, you, you, know. you make a good point in the sense of that. Um, if, this movie included Love Hurts on the soundtrack, the movie would have made a whole lot more sense and I would have really felt for the engineers better. No, but, and I, and this, this is, and one criticism which I will say is, is, I mean, all criticisms are subjective, I suppose, but for me, it's like, oh, these engineers who look a lot like us created us like yeah i see the yeah. correlation yeah, whereas yeah. in lovecrafting stuff it's more like oh these huge monstrous things which are exist in a reality which we could never even comprehend yeah they created us by mistake that's more horrifying to me like this yeah, like sure. the, this I, kind of like oh so these these things that look a lot like us created us like yeah there's an anagram or or, or an analogy to that like in life I created a baby. It right. looks a lot like me, but it's not like me. Like that makes sense to me on a scientific perspective where instead of it's like, oh, a Shoggoth, like that thing is a superior oh. life form to us. I can't grasp that at all. No, like, no. I, we we yeah. are so convinced of our own superiority as these two legged, two armed mouth breathing things. Yeah. And, 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 but you know, and I'm looking at it as, you know, the more I think about the film. Yeah. You know, you look at the engineers and like the whole, like, I keep thinking about the whole, them running in the past and like some of them dying off and then some escaping. And, you know, in my head, I start thinking of crazy shit. Like what if, you know, cause this was at a temple, even though it's, it's like a, we could say it's a military base, whatever you want to call it. What if, sure. you know, what if, you know, I'm spitballing here. What if some engineers didn't want to destroy us? Like, what are you doing? Like, like, no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, but again, not, this is not explained. This is just like, you know, looking at something that barely is talked about and like, but then again, I think to myself, okay, 
they create us and you know maybe ultimately they want us to be better than them you know like and because that's like when we you know you know i would say jim you have a child you want your child to be better than you in every way you know that's what you want you want you want the next generation to be better and the next generation to be better that's like what we hope for so like you could say like wayland in his own demented way creates david to be better than us like ultimately the problem is the engineers also created something else that infects Mm -hmm. and creates something that is the ultimate killing machine ultimately the xenomorph Mm -hmm. what we know and and love but like but should that have been created and again that's like the whole godlike idea of like should you be creating some things like you know science now like when you hear about like oh well they they created something like why create that like why did like because you could yeah and that's something that existed i, I mean you know even the mcu which is so yeah. huge these days like the celestials created both the eternals and the deviants right and it's like one's good one's bad why um, you know, not everything, not everything was perfectly designed. And I get that. Um, one, one other thing, which I, I remember these story beats, but the man, the, the reveal that Wayland is, is Charlie's Theron's father. Like, uh, yeah, that just, just doesn't land anymore. Like that is yeah. no, no significance. No, actually, um, my wife, I told her when we were watching, I was like, all right, so there is a point in the film where I checked out originally and I want to see <laughs> yeah. how that goes again. And I realized it's when she says, Father, father. father. Yeah. I literally rolled my eyes like even last <laughs> night. Again, very much enjoying the movie, and I was like, "Oh, there it is." That's actually something that I hated. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> the, the, I hate. It's funny you said it because, like, again, I I was like, because I, I knew it was coming, and I'm like, "Oh, that's how the reveal happens." The only yeah. thing I like about her character of Vickers is that she hates David so much because Waylon likes him yes. more. I like that. Yeah. Like yeah. the likes the the plastic version than the flesh and blood of his own. And even like when Whalen gives it, but, but again, it's like, I just like that element because I like the interplay between David and Vickers because of two good actors. It's not because of the writing. The writing's not there. Even (laughs) even once again, her hatred of him could just stem from the fact that you are an artificial thing we created. Why are you getting the same respect as me as a human? Right. Like you can have that once again, remove the Whalen character entirely from that. But um, we we probably, we we probably should start wrapping up. So I'm just going to, I, I don't mind the ambiguity. I remember one of the criticisms I had when I first saw it, which I have gotten rid of, is like, oh, I wanted you to explain everything from Alien, and it doesn't, and it doesn't have to, because this is yeah. not a direct correlation. We go from Prometheus to Alien, aha. Like, I'm fine with the, because it has that idea of, like, the Xenomorph is going to evolve. There, there yes. are going yeah. to be further steps along with this. I just think it, it's not even as though it's ambiguous as much as the film is like, how about this question? How about this question? How about this question? Doesn't answer any of them. And from what I understand, I haven't seen Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant drops all those threads and yeah. doesn't even attempt to. It goes to its it own way. <laughs> um, and so is 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 honestly is Alien Covenant. If I did not care for this, is Alien Covenant worth checking out? You may want to see it just to see, like look. Some of the cast is good. I actually think Danny McBride's really good. Really in it. good. It's a cool, <laughs> yeah. different role for him. Um, yep. And I, I've only seen it the one time. I, I remember being very disappointed. Just. And again, probably when I saw Covenant, I still wasn't too fond of Prometheus. So I think I even still hadn't learned my lesson. And I was like, expectations, let's go. <laughs> and then I should have just been like, let's see. I don't know. It's definitely uh, far and below Prometheus for me. But it's, you know, it's not wretched at all. It's like, it, I don't know. If you enjoy Alien 3 and 4, you'll still enjoy Alien Covenant. It's not like it's like that far away, you know, a throw from the series. But it doesn't answer any of these big notions no. as much as I think you'd want to. And, you know. Kind of, it, it plays more more mysteries uh, to add to the pile, I guess. Is what yeah, my thoughts are. That's, that, Fassbender's yeah. great in a dual role in that. That's, yeah. that's what I remember. He's the most. very good. Yeah, yeah. And and so then one one final question before we wrap up: um, Are we excited or skeptical of the untitled sequel sequel that Fede Alvarez is apparently working on? <sighs> I'm on board, baby. Oh, yeah. I'm on I'm, board. I'm on board. Too, yeah. yeah. I'm a big, uh, I've been, since it came out, I can probably say I've been a huge champion of uh, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think it is a absolute dick ripper of a horror flick. And um, it's one of my favorites to show people, especially people that have no familiarity with the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, because the original Evil Dead, I adore it so fucking oh, yeah. much. But it doesn't hold up in terms of what a new viewer might be looking for for a horror experience. Right. You know, the camp is so loud in it, which we all love that for it. But um 
I, that being said, I, I, I did like Don't Breathe as well. I haven't seen Don't Breathe 2, but uh, uh, I, wait, he directed that as well, right? Didn't he do I both think, of them? I think he just wrote it. Oh, maybe he just wrote it. it. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that being said, though, I, I his story as a filmmaker is very inspiring to me. Um, and yeah, I, sure. I seen what he did with a property that I love. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and per our thoughts we just had about some of these newer Alien movies, um, I'm, I'm all in. Like, I really, I'm very much hoping that um they are following at least maybe some inspiration from the game alien isolation yeah. did you guys play oh, sure. that Love, yeah the game um, played it, but yeah great game yeah i just played replayed it. it with my wife her first time and, and it's a masterpiece i a lot of people don't think it is because it's a little a little grindy at times and you have to do a lot of engineering shit yeah. <laughs> engineers but uh because yeah you're you, for those who don't know super quick you're ripley's daughter yeah. it takes place 15 years after the first film in my opinion it's it's a very good sequel to the yeah. first film where aliens can still come later you know right. it's still part of the same world and it is considered canon you know mm-hmm. as as oh, sure, a yeah. story yeah um and i a lot of people he posted that like shooting you know shot with the face hugger and stuff and it the sets look very alien isolation and everyone's like oh bro please do that do that story or one like it and i think we'll be in good shape with it you know in his hands that's that's my thoughts though yeah evil dead his evil dead is one i need to revisit because similar to this one i saw it and i hated See, it when it came out. like i said earlier i had to revisit yes. it and i love it now so it's like it's i think yeah. i think if you separate it from the whole idea of like what it's what we think again it's supposed to be and just as, expectations as yeah again, just yeah. as a balls to the wall violent fucked up film it it's almost unmatched to me you know super fun I, yeah. I always have to shamefully admit that i always mix up fede alvarez and andy muschetti <laughs> Um, so like, oh, Fede Alvarez, the guy that did the it movies like no, no, that's, no. it's funny like they do look kind of similar they yeah. have similar eyes and they both are kind of like yeah well you know they're cool dudes um, <laughs> it's funny I, I remember for a while everyone was excited that neil blomkamp was working on an alien thing and then he released all the other movies he did and people were like and eh, maybe i'm not excited yeah. about this anymore yeah that's a shame um, yeah. that's a shame but um anyway uh this was this was a good conversation i'm still yeah i Still not a fan of this movie, and I'll be honest with you, the only reason that I'm not immediately ranking it above Alien Resurrection is I just haven't seen Alien Resurrection in such a long <laughs> That's time. such a fun film, though. Not, it is not very a, fun. Yeah, not a, this is, I'm not a, a fan of this one, but I don't begrudge you guys for it. Um, yeah, You know, and this this was a good conversation, I think. But, Absolutely. Um, Tim, awesome. Thanks for joining us. Once again, My plug your shit, is. man. If people are like, yo, this uh, this baritone voice, um, <laughs> handsome man, where can I where can I dig into his his content? Yeah, I had to had to break out the uh, podcast pipes again. Yeah, and, and it helps that it's early in the morning, so I've got that early morning yep, breath. Yeah. No, uh, no, Tim. Tim uh, really sounds like David Lynch. Like, hey, welcome hello, to my hello. welcome to show. Cinema World. No, <laughs> um, you can find me on. I'm on pretty much all the socials. Uh, it's just my name, T I M B U E L Tim Buell, and uh, yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. Probably trying to get the fuck away from Twitter because it's turned into a hellscape, and I, I haven't really used it much. I'll just occasionally post some thoughts about a film I saw or just try to get some of my old film journalism friends like on my radar again, like, Hey, I'm making shit, please watch it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, but those are probably the the biggest places to check out me, check out my work. Um, and like I said, got, got a fun new horror project, hopefully, uh, on the horizon. I'm very much likely going to be trying to do another crowdfunding thing. I did that with my first feature and we, we raised $5,000, which is no money guys. Don't make a movie for $5,000. It's really hard. Um, (laughs) you'll spend more, uh but we i would love to raise at least five to ten you know k if not more that'd be great um and so that's what i'm hoping to use some of my tiktok followers for but as algorithms work you know you, you can never guarantee how the uh, the views are gonna fly so i guess yeah just keep up with me on the socials and uh you can see what i'm up to it's probably the best place to look sure you can you can make the alien triple x parody with five thousand dollars yeah dude, yes we could definitely do that yeah yeah um, that would that would be funny if that was my claim to fame after like <laughs> after all my hard work they're like and then he made this alien porno and man it really hit it was great yeah, i mean Wes craven had to do it at some <laughs> yeah, point yeah. so abe, abe snake Fair. was that the name that he I think, directed i think under? so yeah i believe that was it abe snake? anyway um but Sorry. yeah we are we are the cast of cthulhu uh you can find us on twitter at cast cthulhu um, we have a Facebook. Don't go there. I haven't updated it in months. Uh, who cares? Um, but uh, I am Nolan Fixes Teeth on Twitter. James is Wonka Kills Kids. Uh, you can email us at moviesofmadness at gmail.com. Uh, catch up on all of our back episodes at battleshipretention.com or go to castofcthulhu.podbean.com. Um, leave us a review on stuff. I don't check those very often, but uh, that's how Tim and I became friends. So, you know, maybe, we, maybe we'll maybe we 
will become friends if you, if you do that with us. So, um, yeah, so, of course, uh, as a reminder, our next episode, uh, Jerry Smith, who we've tried to get on the show multiple times, seems like we can finally get him on now. We're going to be talking about the 2011 um it's a it's a prequel, right? Yeah. The thing it's supposed to be a prequel. It's, it's a prequel. It's it, it, it's, okay. it's the Norwegian base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the Nor- yeah. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, we have talked about um, Carpenter on this um, film podcast numerous times. So I'm going to be curious as I know this isn't Carpenter, but like, how does this hold up? I've never seen it before. This is oh, going to be my first time. I've, 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 I've so. seen it, and I hated it. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoilers yeah. for your next episode. Hey, I like to say it right away. I hate it. So I'm yeah. going to go in blind though. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reading anything, so we'll see. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, I am looking forward to that. Tim, thank you yep. once again so much for joining us. So early, coming up on the West Coast, yeah, we were up pleasure, at, the, guys. at the crack yeah. of at the crack of dawn to join us. So we really appreciate that. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and thanks everyone for listening. Like I said, be sure to tune in next time. We're going to be talking about 2011 prequel, The Thing. In the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with Dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. Really, yeah.